Welcome to Hot Topics in Kidney Health, brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. Join us as we highlight the latest in kidney research, bring you up-to-date news in kidney care, dispel myths, and answer questions to help people with kidney disease or a transplant live well. Most patients on dialysis need to limit the amount of sodium in their diets. But how much sodium is safe, and what are some of the ways to add flavor to your diet? Our experts on today's podcast cover examples of high-sodium foods, recommendations for low-sodium substitutes, and how much sodium people with kidney disease should have as part of a healthy diet. Welcome. I'm Melissa Prest. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. I also have a doctor of clinical nutrition and a board certification in renal nutrition. I have worked with individuals living with chronic kidney disease specifically for over a decade, although I have many other years of experience in other areas of nutrition. I currently work for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois as their foundation dietitian, and I help individuals throughout the state of Illinois that are living with or at risk for chronic kidney disease, better manage their health conditions. And I'm Chef Duane. I'm a chronic kidney disease patient. About 20 years ago, I was diagnosed with minimal change disease. While I was being treated for that, they figured out that I was also having FSGS and my creatinine levels kept rising. So when my creatinine level reached about 4.99, uh, I was suggested to change my diet. Um, I went to a plant-based diet and it had the biggest impact. And with the help of my medical team, I was actually able to put my chronic kidney disease in remission. I'm also a culinary arts instructor at Spokane Community College at the Inland Northwest Culinary Academy. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to do this with you today. Well, Melissa, I have to tell you, I could hardly sleep last night. I was so excited to be working with you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so I know that we have all these great thoughts for sodium. So what were some of the things you were thinking about last night? <laughs> I always appreciate dietitians because I think they know so much about food and look at food from a whole different angle than chefs. We deal with food and, and we're always focused on flavor. I love the science of food as well. That's why I was excited to, to work with you today. And I think sodium is a great discussion to talk to patients about. And what for me, I actually find it's probably the, the best and easiest challenge that you as a dietitian give us patients to work with. I agree. And, you know, it's really funny. I I do some, I, I, I would say I dabble in recipe development because I am not a trained chef by any, any means. And it's always, um, it's, it's sort of comical because obviously I'm coming at it from a health perspective and working on ways to lower the amount of salt um, that's used in recipes. And if I've have a, a chef review it, they always want to increase the salt, right? Because it doesn't taste good. We need more salt in it. So um, I, I think it's definitely a challenge for our patients, for sure, and figuring out how to flavor their foods without a lot of salt in it. But it always just makes me, it makes me laugh when talking with the chef, because I know salt is such a common ingredient used to flavor our food. I know. And I don't know why we're, we, I mean, I can remember my grandmother teaching me as a child. That was the first thing I felt like I was a cook when I could add salt and pepper. And we added salt and pepper to everything. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And now, and now I love this thought of every time I look at a recipe, the first question I ask is, does the recipe really need to have salt in it? So I, I know from a patient perspective, I'd like to know how, how important is sodium in our diet and how much should we actually be consuming? Sure. No, no, and that's great. And you know, what's interesting is that we use the words sodium and salt interchangeably, right? But they're actually two different things. So about 90% of what we actually consume is salt. And it's made from sodium and chloride, but there's obviously other forms with sodium in it, right? So we think of MSG or monosodium glutinate. That's a really common one that's used as well. But what sodium actually helps with, so we, we need it, it's essential. So essential just means it's something that we need. We can't necessarily get it on our own or make it on our own. And what it does is it helps with Fluid balance, and fluid balance is important for blood pressure control. It also helps our nerves and muscles work right. There's a reason why we need sodium in our diet, but we're eating way too much of it. So the recommendations for most Americans, if you look at the dietary guidelines, and even within information on on kidney disease, is around 2,300 milligrams a day. But for some people, 1,500 milligrams a day may be more appropriate. And so those might be for individuals with high blood pressure, or maybe we're having some issues where we have a lot of fluid building up, which we would call edema, so like the swollen ankles or puffiness, seeing that increase in blood pressure, you're feeling short of breath, we've got a lot of fluid on our heart and lungs. So your healthcare provider may recommend instead of 2300, 1500 milligrams a day. But we don't want to have no, no sodium in our diets, because obviously, like I said, it, there's a reason and purpose for eating sodium, we just want to limit how much of it we're actually consuming. There is sodium just in almost all the foods that we eat, right? Naturally? Yeah, there's naturally occurring sodium. So even if you, you know, have a piece of, you know, say chicken breast that's not added with preservatives to make it stay fresh longer, there's there's just naturally occurring sodium in, in all of our foods. So we, we can get a decent amount of sodium without having to add a lot of additional sodium from something like a salt shaker or putting salt in our in our recipes. I, I actually had a chance to work on a sodium reduction grant sponsored by the CDC. And it was amazing to me, it's it's the accumulative effect of how much salt or sodium we eat over the day. It's not usually just one thing, it's that combination that builds us up and we eat, that's why we consume too much. So, Melissa, what are the effects of consuming too much sodium? So if we have too much sodium, particularly for someone who has chronic kidney disease, kind of what we just talked about, it can build up in our body over time, right, within that day. And that's where we start to have this rise in our blood pressure and we start to have that increase in in fluid because sodium is, it kind of naturally attracts with the fluid and it will retain that fluid and, and make things kind of puffy. You know, I I remember waking up one morning and I couldn't get my feet into my shoes because they were so swollen. Oh, and I believe I, it. Yep. Yeah, and I, I didn't realize the night before I'd eaten too much. I'd eaten too much salty food. Yes. Yeah. For sure. And that is definitely a common a common issue that can happen, um, especially again if we're not eliminating a lot of the the salt in our urine. If we consume too much salt, is that really hard on our kidneys? One of the ways that uh, kidney disease progresses is with high blood pressure, a long-standing history, not very well-controlled high blood pressure, and diabetes. So if we have really well-controlled blood pressure, 
it should help slow that progression of kidney disease. So one of the jobs that our kidneys does is it filters the sodium out of our body and then it, it goes into our urines or how we eliminate it. But our kidneys, if they're damaged, they cannot filter as well as healthy kidneys can. And so then that makes that sodium stay in your body longer. It increases your blood pressure, which kind of continues that cycle of damaging your kidneys. So consuming a low sodium diet, even if you're not having issues with swelling for someone with kidney disease is really important in slowing that progression and, and helping your kidneys basically do the work that they need to do, but at a reduced capacity. I know for me, um, it was a trial and error period of how do I decrease the amount of sodium in my cooking. One of the things I started with was I literally took the salt container and moved it to the very back of my pantry. So it was, it was a challenge to get to. And that was an easy step for me. The hard step was I didn't realize how much salty foods I cooked with to mm -hmm. add flavor. So that's when I had to really start thinking about what am I going to do? Like if I wanted to cook an Asian dish and right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to use soy sauce because now I think of soy sauce as liquid sodium. <laughs> yes. So um, I actually found coconut aminos um, and some of the brands actually only have 90 milligrams of sodium per teaspoon. That's one technique I use is I use this, this substitute for soy sauce. I love fresh ginger. So I always try to use fresh ginger when I'm cooking. And then sesame oil is so flavorful. And it just takes a little bit of oil to add that flavor. And mm -hmm. I, I, I like the combination of those three, because then I have that Asian flavor in my cooking. And I'm not adding as much salt as if I was using soy sauce and fish sauce and other really salty flavorings that the, the Asian cuisines use. So I have a question. Does the aminos, the coconut aminos, give you that hidden umami um, that's really popular within Asian cooking in particular, when I think of like fish sauce. Um, mm -hmm. So does that give it that same kind of umami? Flavor? It does. It does. It gives us that, that I, I call it the protein flavor, that umami, that flavor, like even like with just grilled or, or roasted mushrooms can have that same flavor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about for other cuisines? So maybe someone, you know, I think Mexican and Italian, and Italian are probably two very common and popular cuisines. Um, and, you know, and it's interesting because my family, half Italian and half Polish, I guess, in terms of where my family has originated from. And I know I see this all the time about prepping your pasta water, but I've never added salt to my pasta water. But I always see that all the time. So what are some things, you know, that that maybe someone can do for Italian or, or Mexican style cooking? Let's let's start with the Italian. Um, I absolutely agree. I don't I don't salt my water, but a lot of recipes and the instructions on the pasta containers will tell them to salt the water. It's amazing if you do that, how much salt actually gets absorbed into the pasta. I can't really tell the difference that much. Um, so I, I never salt my water when I cook my pasta. I also shop and look at labels and there's a lot of pastas that you can purchase out there that don't have sodium or salt in them. So I always try to get that. And then the other thing is if someone can have tomato products, which that's another whole podcast. There's a lot of tomato products out there, tomato sauces, canned tomatoes. Those are really high sodium foods. And I always 
In fact, I even teach chefs to read the labels. If you are going to buy a purchased pasta sauce, you really need to look at and see how much sodium is in one serving of that. I actually prefer to make my own sauces with pasta and I can find it's much more creative. And I actually like a white sauce. You can add a lot of garlic, basil. So you can get a great Italian flavor without having to use tomato sauce, which most people think of. And I would say just caution there, Alfredo, which is 90% fat. You don't want to go down the Alfredo path. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then with Mexican food, because I think that's a very popular cuisine as well, you have to be careful because the refried beans can have a lot of hidden sodium in them. So I like to just take black beans and cook them and saute them with onions and then mash them up. So I know that there's very little sodium added to my refried beans. Also, you have to be careful about rice. People cook rice. They sometimes add a lot of salt to the water or they will use a salty chicken broth um, to cook the rice in. So you have to be very, very careful about that. And then the other big food that I find has a lot of sodium in it is cheese. I always think of cheese as a combination of high fat and high salt. I recently made my own refried beans in a electronic pressure cooker, uh, which I know you don't need to have that to make, you know, make beans, but they were delicious. Just kind of making it myself. And, you know, I was like, oh, this tastes like a restaurant made refried beans. And I also did that with tortillas, like making homemade tortillas, which are also super easy. And you get to control the amount of salt when you're doing your own cooking, which is always a benefit of cooking more at home and dining out less often. You know, people with kidney disease or other health conditions, you know, watching their, their salt intake. So thinking of the additional things in terms of how we can flavor our food without salt, right? So I know as a dietitian, working with individuals, there's always that recommendation of use herbs and spices, limit things like obviously salt or the, the garlic salt, onion salt, something like that. But what other tips, you know, might someone have in terms of, you know, using those in a, in a meaningful way? And then the same thing, like as you're flavoring your food and thinking of the things that we put into it, you kind of were, were talking a little bit about that with the looking at the labels on, on things like tomato sauces and so forth. But what are some other like tips or tricks that you have as a, as a chef and also as a person living with, with kidney disease? Like I said, I love working with dietitians because I think you're some of the smartest people in the world. I, one, of the, one of the renal dietitians taught me this is that if people have to, they're, they're programmed to shake something on their food, they ask the patients to make a combination of garlic powder, onion powder, and then they put that into a salt shaker. So if you are a person who's always used to using the salt shaker, create a non-salt flavoring that you can sprinkle because it's, it's hard to break a habit, believe me. I, I've had to learn that with kidney disease. You know, some of the tricks that I use, I like to make my own chicken stock or vegetable stock. It's really inexpensive. People don't realize it. it. It only costs you pennies to make. And you can get so much flavor and very little sodium. If you buy in the store chicken stock, vegetable stock, beef stock, they're going to come with really high sodium. Even, even the low sodium brands can have a lot of sodium in them. And they're not as going to be as flavorful as if you make your own. And what I like to do when I make my own stock is afterwards, 
I let it cool down and I measure it literally one cup and pour it into Ziploc bags. And then I freeze them and I can just pull them out of the freezer. And I know I've got one cup of low sodium, flavorful stock ready to cook with. It really makes a difference, I find, when you're cooking. The other thing is you have to be careful about really salty foods. I find like olives can be very, very salty, but I like them. They also have, you know, a great flavor. What I do with my olives is after I buy them, I rinse them off and then I put them in fresh water and put them in a, you know, I put them in a container, put fresh water over them and put them in the fridge for overnight. And that actually helps take some of the salt out. And you you can also do that um, with beans, canned beans. We do that in restaurants. Um, like if we open a, a huge can of garbanzo beans for a salad bar, say, we literally empty the can, put it into a container, add fresh water, and then put it in the refrigerator and then take them out as we need it. What we didn't realize in the restaurant world was we're actually being healthier for our patients by doing that. You know, sauerkraut's another really salty food. One side of my family is German, so we're, we're into the sauerkraut. So what I like to do instead of sauerkraut is I actually braise cabbage. And that way, once again, I can control how much sodium I'm consuming, but I can get a really flavorful dish from doing that. I've even made a uh, fake Reuben sandwich using braised red cabbage. So I didn't have to have any sauerkraut. I didn't even have to have corned beef on the sandwich. It was, it, but I made it, it seemed really, really flavorful. Another thing is uh, for some people who've really who've heard my whole story, when I was put on my diet, I had one weekend uh, to eat what I want. And I thought the dietitian said, eat as much as you want. So I happened to eat too much pizza that night, that weekend. <laughs> and I was, I was very sick for the whole weekend, believe me. So um, I do like pizza and I know pizza is very popular. So instead of putting cheese on the pizza, I like to use caramelized onions, roasted red peppers, or, or even fresh herbs are a great way of adding flavor. And um, in fact, when we were working on our sodium reduction grant here in our region, we were working with a local pizza place and we had the owner lower their sodium in their bread by almost 50% in the dough and we lowered the sodium in their pizza sauce by 29%. And what was amazing was their customers, not one customer made a comment that the food wasn't flavorful. So that's, that's great. Isn't that great? I mean, I yeah. think people, people just don't realize how much sodium we eat and we could easily cut back and people won't miss it. Yeah. I made my own um, hot sauce with just vinegar and I put in just, jalapeno and other peppers and um, let it kind of marinate overnight. And it was quite delicious. And I didn't miss all of the salt that's typically in, you know, a hot sauce that you would use to add your to add to your food. Right. Yeah. And, you know, condiments are another hidden source of, of sodium. You have to be very careful about about that. I, I like your technique. I like adding a little bit of spicy heat when you lower the sodium. And most people don't notice that the sodium level has gone down when you add that little hit of, hit of spiciness to it. Gives it more of that flavor. Melissa, how can someone find out how much sodium is in the food they're eating or what they're shopping for? The biggest thing is looking at our food labels, right? Because that's where we're going to really find the information, either in the nutrition facts or information written on the label or um, in the ingredient list. And you know, I, I think a lot of people with kidney disease, at least if they've worked with the dietitian and talked with the dietitian, they probably talk about ingredient lists 
more than in, with any other dietitian or healthcare professional because a lot of the things that are important to our patients may not necessarily be on that label. And we, we are kind of these detectives looking through the food label and in the ingredient list to, to look and see you know, what's, what is in this um, food product as opposed to just what we're reading. But you might see things on the food label that says something like sodium-free, which really means there's just a little bit of sodium per serving, very low sodium, so 35 milligrams or less, low sodium is 140 milligrams or less, reduced sodium or light or lightened sodium. So reduced just means that the amount of sodium in that product has been reduced by 25%. And then for light or lightened sodium, it's reduced by at least 50%. But the one thing I always caution people is that if you do find a product and it says it's you know low sodium or reduced and, and you're looking at it, make sure you look at that ingredient list or the food label to see if there's potassium in it. Because often what's used to replace the salt is potassium chloride or, you know, salt substitute, which we know then can increase the amount of potassium in that food product. And like anything, you know, I always caution my patients with the, the additives in our food supply because they're a little bit better absorbed than if it was naturally occurring potassium from the foods that we choose. Well, we're not talking about potassium today, but these additives are another sneaky way where potassium um, increases in our in our foods, and that you know may have a, a you know issue with potassium levels and blood work. But generally, want to kind of look at that food label and look at the products that are in there. The other thing to look at now, usually sodium is listed on the food label um, on the nutrition facts, so you can see how much sodium is in each serving. And then depending on the food label, it might tell you the entire container. So it's really important to read the label very well and, and see what are these values telling me? Is it about per serving? Is it per container? You know, so just so you, you know what that is actually telling you. But the other thing is looking at the percent daily value column. So that's that farthest column over on the right-hand side if you're looking at the label. So anything that's 5% or less is a low source of that nutrient in the in the food, or if it's 20% or higher, it's a higher source. So, you know, if you see something that's maybe 25% sodium per serving, just know that that's a very high amount of sodium in that food serving. So it's a really quick and easy way as you're going through the grocery store and looking at things to check out that percent daily value column. And you can kind of say, okay, this is a low source, or this is a is a high source. And we're we're really lucky because it says sodium right on the label. It's not like sugar having all those different words for sugar. Correct. Yeah. 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 So it's it's been on the labels for a while. And I think again, because of you know, knowing that there are effects of too much sodium on health conditions beyond just chronic kidney disease. So a lot of the things that are on the food label are really related to what is either important to consumers and or public health concerns. So, you know, we know that potassium is good for blood pressure management. Um, and obviously for some individuals, too much potassium could be an issue, um, but it is really good for blood pressure management. So that has been added on to food labels. Maybe some of the older products will not have that on there, but you should start seeing potassium on um, on most of the food labels now, but same thing with sodium. So those should be on the food labels so you can easily find it. Which is great for kidney patients. Yeah, absolutely. So I know we had talked a little bit about, you know, how can we make food a little bit more tasty 
without adding salt or sodium. So we talked a lot about that. But what about if they're eating out at a restaurant? What are some things because that you know, as a dietitian, we kind of go through and you know, and say, okay, you know, these would be things that are a little less in, in salt, but obviously we're not with the patients at the restaurant trying to help them navigate that menu, right? We're not sitting next to them. Although I have had patients come back and tell me, they're like, I heard your voice in my head as I was <laughs> choosing foods on the on the menu. But what, what types of things do you look for, at least ask for when you are dining out at a, at a restaurant? Well, you know, I, I'm really lucky because I know how restaurants work and I try to use that to my advantage. And I think this is a great question for patients. So if I'm if I'm going to go to a restaurant, one thing I, I always carry with me is a laminated card that has my dietary restrictions on it. And the reason it's it's like, you know, driver's license size so I can keep it in my wallet. It's laminated so I can reuse it. And I always have the server take that back to the kitchen. Because even if I talk to the server, I'm not sure the actual cook understands what I'm asking for. So I, and I sometimes forget, like I, I'm on a plant-based diet and I'm very good at telling people that, but then I sometimes forget, oh, that's a low sodium plant-based diet. So if it's laminated on the card, that helps the kitchen understand what the patient needs. And then the other thing that I do is I read the whole menu and then I look at things that I like or I want to eat that might be side dishes. And I ask my server, is it possible to get, you know, this side dish from one entree and this side dish from another and put these two together? When, it, when I'm working on a plant-based diet, it's very easy by the menu descriptions to tell what, what I'm going to pick. The hard problem is we never know how much sodium that cook is putting into our food. So that's why it's really important to ask, can they make a low sodium item? Can they cook it maybe a different way? Instead of having salmon with the sauce on it, can I have salmon that's just grilled? Most restaurants will will have salted butter. That's what they use in their kitchen. So you also have to be careful about that. So I'm always about, can I have my entree with the butter on the side or the sauce on the side? Because then I can control how much sodium actually gets into that. Same thing with salad dressings. I always ask for my salad dressing on the side if I'm going to have a salad. And then one of my favorites, um, I had an aunt who was actually trying to cut back on calories and she just used this method of, she goes, I always just share a meal. It cuts my calories in half. So if you think about it, if there's, you know, you're having dinner with someone at the restaurant and you can share, um, all you have to do is ask the restaurant for an extra plate. That that cuts your sodium in half. But please, I always say too, if you can, if you're going to make a reservation for a restaurant, make the reservation early and let them know you're on a sodium restriction. Because the more time the kitchen has to think about what can they make you that's going to be flavorful, the better experience you're going to have. And believe me, restaurants won't repeat customers. So if you find a restaurant that's really good at preparing low sodium foods, I know I'm going to go back to them and we're going to have a great relationship. The restaurant wants to take care of you. They really do. They just might need a little help and guidance from the patient. Yeah, I think that's, I, I really, you know, it's funny because I, and there's always like things that you learn when you talk to, talk to other people, but I never really thought of the butter on the side, right? We always talk about dressing sauces on the side, but never thought about butter on the side. So I think that's a really great tip along with that laminated card. I think those are great tips for the, our kidney patients and the audience. 
You understand that, you know, our taste buds, we actually acquire a taste for salt. We can decrease that taste over time. And my family, when I started changing my diet, they made me promise not to tweak or make healthy our holiday recipes, right? (laughs) Right. And I said, and I said, okay, I will honor that. But I do a lot of holiday baking come December. And I literally started buying salt-free butter when I do my holiday baking. And my family said the other the other day, they said, yeah, someone brought us some cookies and they tasted salty. And I went, yes, I'm being successful. <laughs> yes. I always use salt-free butter. Yeah. I always use it for baking or anything. I usually get the, the salt. It also allows you, like you said before, to have some of that extra control over how much salt, if you are using any that you're actually putting in. Right. Yep. Now, the other thing about restaurants, especially with COVID, is there's a lot of takeout business now, um, and that's how restaurants have survived. So if you're going to order a takeout um, or have something delivered, you also need to tell the person when you're making the order, have to ask them for low sodium or please don't add any salt to my entree. There's another great question you need to ask is which when you pick your your item, you need to know, is it pre-made and they're just going to cook it to order when the ticket goes back to the kitchen? Because if it's pre-made, the chances are they can't lower the sodium. But if it's something that's going to be made and cooked after the kitchen receives the order, then they can control how much salt is going to be on your uh, food. You have to be really careful about that. And then, you know, um, I travel a lot, which means sometimes I'm stuck in an airport and I'm like, okay, it's between flights. This is my only chance to eat. And there's just fast food options. So I also have to look at how do I control my sodium in a fast food place? You know, and one of the first things I do is when I, when I'm putting in my order, I ask them, I said, can you make my order without adding any salt? And it's amazing. A lot of them will say, yeah, we can do that. We'll just, you know, we'll just mark your order. It's special. And that that isn't a problem. The other thing is, you know, condiments. Oh, my gosh. Condiments have so much salt in them. I didn't realize how much salt was in ketchup mustard, mayonnaise packets. And it's amazing because um, working on a sodium reduction grant, I actually found out that the major ketchup companies do make a lower sodium ketchup packets. And so some places have them, some places don't, but yeah, you know, it's, you have to ask. And that's the key. And the other thing is the more people ask for low sodium products, more restaurants will start incorporating them and having them available. Absolutely. And, and I think that is definitely one thing that we don't think about, right? So I think we, we think, oh, you know, when I, whenever I talk to someone and we talk about low sodium, the first thing they always tell me is, no, oh, I don't use any salt when I cook. I don't have a salt <laughs> shaker on the table, which is awesome. That's a really awesome first step. But if we think about where all of our sodium comes from, maybe 10% actually comes from what we're doing at home. 70% is coming from all of our packaged foods, restaurant foods, kind of in this combination, right? So it's really important to kind of pay attention to things like condiments and breads, particularly in cereals. We've talked a lot in just, I feel like in public health measures recently about sugar and looking for sugar and cereals and yogurts and things. But we're, we're kind of missing that important conversation of sodium in all of these foods as well and how we should be watching and, and monitoring for that too. Right. And it's interesting because food manufacturers, when they bring in a focus group of people to taste a new recipe, they typically are only tweaking the sodium 
the sugar and the salt in each of those different tastings. And it's it's amazing how we just naturally like the taste of salt. Well, as yeah. you said, we get we have this preference for it. So if you're someone who's been used to consuming higher salt foods, you know, over the course of your lifetime, probably having things with more salt in it would be more appealing than say something with more sugar in it. But yeah, I, you know, you definitely can. It takes a few weeks for your taste buds to adapt and adjust. But once it does, you know, you definitely can tell. I was out at a work event last night and we had steamed broccoli you know, you take a bite of it. I was like, whoa, they dumped like the salt shaker all over the steamed uh, vegetable. And it was, I couldn't eat it. It was just way too salty. Yeah. Yeah. And which is, which is really sad because they don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also found that when you lower your sodium, you, the food, you actually appreciate the actual taste of the food more. So what about for individuals who, you know, maybe are getting a lot of their food from a food pantry and they're maybe not going out to the regular, you know, store, grocery store to get food. We're relying a little bit more on food pantry um, options. I do know a lot of the food pantries do have some guidance in terms of what they can accept in donations that a lot of the food boxes that are being put together are focusing on healthier options, fresh fruits and vegetables, and lower sodium products as as able. But, you know, are there any kind of thoughts about other things that maybe a person can look for or ask for at the at the food pantry? That's a great question. And I work with several different food pantries around the country. And a lot of them have really tried to meet dietary guidelines for people. And once again, if they know ahead of time, or you come in with that laminated card that says, hey, I'm on a, on a low sodium restriction, they will, they will make the effort to try to make sure that your box of food has low sodium items in it. Also, a lot, of, <clears throat> a lot of food pantries, I know here in the Pacific Northwest, we have several major producers that there's always like fresh onions now all year long are going to be in the boxes. So there's a certain amount of fresh fruits or vegetables that will be in the box, which is great. Um, I think it's okay um, for clients to ask also if there's a lot of deli meats and you shouldn't be eating deli meats because once again, those are high in in sodium to ask, can you exchange those for something in lower, lower sodium? So I think the key here is, you know, it's okay to ask. And if you don't ask, they're not going to, they're not going to give you the low sodium items that you need. Ask for a substitution and just tell them it's a dietary restriction. Everybody understands that now. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, a lot of the, maybe not the smaller branches, but you know, the, a larger food pantry, a lot of them have dietitians that are working for them. Um, and I know that, you know, oftentimes there's classes that are offered at food pantries in terms of, you know, I have this box of food, how can I prepare this healthfully in my house? So those are just some other things to kind of look at too. If you're going to a food pantry, are there any classes or is there a dietitian that I can connect with at the food pantry to also, you know, help in these requests and asks and making sure that, you know, you have an appropriate box put together uh, for, for you. We're really lucky here. Our warehouse manager, his family has kidney disease, which isn't good, but he's so aware of it that he's really forced our largest food pantry to have kidney-friendly boxes available. 
So I know the holidays are coming up and I know a lot of times, you know, just some things that I might share with the patients when we kind of talk about things is, well, a few things. I mean, one, you know, it is like one day, but you know, we still want to be smart about what we're doing at that day. So, you know, it's common to, you know, possibly bring your own side dish. But another thing I always really talk about patients is kind of take a look at what is on the table. What is your absolute favorite food that maybe you have once a year and go for that favorite food? but in a smaller controlled portion. What are some other things that has worked worked for you? You know, that's that's a really great advice. Um, the other thing I try to think about is I sometimes bring my own food. I, I only have to bring like my entree. And then like you said, I'll, there's some favorites of someone else in the family makes and I will have a small taste of that. The other thing is, especially if it's family members, it's okay to ask them ahead of time. Say, hey, I'm on, a, I'm on a sodium restriction. Is it okay for you not to add salt in the cooking process and just let people add salt after they've put the food on their plate? And a lot of family members, you know, they want you feeling well during the holidays. And that's kind of the approach I take. My doctor actually even said one time, she said, go ahead and cheat on the holiday. And I said, you know what? I want to feel good on the holidays. And so I don't want to cheat during the holidays because I want to feel my best and enjoy the time with my family. That's kind of my approach to it. But I have to tell you, one thing you have to be careful of is poultry items. And, I, and I've talked to several major representatives of the biggest poultry companies in the United States. And what they do to poultry is they take the uncooked meat and they actually brine it or soak it in salt water. And it adds more salt water around the muscles of the meat. So like if you were to buy a chicken breast or a turkey breast, it could have be it could have been brined in salt water. And the reason they do that, this is their their version of it, they tell us, is because it it adds more juice when we cook it. So if you were to cook that chicken breast and you overcook it, it's still going to be moist and tender because it has extra water to it. Well, what we have to remember is that's extra salt water added to it, not just fresh water. You have to be very careful about poultry now um, because a lot of poultry is being marinated in salt water. Yeah, it's really true. It's also they, sometimes some of the packaging or things that are used with it as well might have phosphorus additives. So that's like an additional additional thing for kidney patients to look at as well. So it's it always is just so difficult. I feel like the things we add to our food supply makes it difficult for staying on track because someone could think I'm doing great. I got this chicken breast and or I had this turkey breast and, you know, I'm doing great on it. And then it's like, well, you are, but also kind of look and see, you know, what are some other additives that were added into that, that chicken or turkey breast. And so it's just this added layer of complexity for a lot of people living with kidney disease and navigating a diet that's already fairly complicated. For me, I, I literally, when I pull into the grocery store parking lot, I mentally tell myself, this is like a video game. It's me against the marketers. <laughs> And how can I come out with the healthiest choices when I walk out of this store? <laughs> I love this imagery I have in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about holidays are potlucks. And I think potlucks are really dangerous when you're on a sodium restriction diet because you have no way of knowing how much salt someone has put into those dishes. What I've had to do is I literally eat before I go to a party or a potluck. And that way I'm not hungry or starving while I'm there. And I can go through and pick like what you just said, pick a couple things that look really good and just make a small tasting of those. I get to appreciate them. I can tell whoever made them, give them compliments. 
And I feel like I'm being a part of the social event, but I'm not overdoing it on the sodium. So for me, I believe it or not, I actually eat before I go to parties now. Which isn't a bad tip in general. I think sometimes we go to parties and we're like, oh, we're going to a party. So we don't eat all day. And then we get to the party and we eat so much that we feel sick. So I, I think it's good even... You know, you're going to a party, eat normally, you know, throughout the day as you normally would. And then you can be able to make a reasonable plate at a party and not overdo it per se. And, and I agree with you. You know, most people have good support systems within their family and friends and they want them to be healthy and they want to help. I think a lot of times I talk with family members that are concerned about their, their loved one and they want to see what they can do to help them. And so I think things like the holidays and potlucks or Sunday night family dinners, it's asking and communicating your needs with your support. And and I think if you haven't done it already, you'd be probably pleasantly surprised at the response that you would get in terms of, you know, trying to make something that is appropriate for you, be it a lower sodium or less phosphorus or potassium or, you know, whatever it is that your your concerns are for that meal. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's it, I'm always amazed how much people want to help you. And then I also have kind of one more red flag, and that's appetizers. I can tell you in restaurants, we create appetizers that are high in sodium because then people order more drinks. Typical appetizer recipes can have a tendency to be high sodium because they're designed to get people to drink more holiday drinks. Yeah, I always thought of, you know, if you're drinking more drinks, it just makes you kind of lose some of your inhibitions and you're just <laughs> hungry and hungrier in general. But that's really mm. interesting with the, the salt connection. I so. know I feel like we can talk all day about this, but I know we are coming to the end of our time. Do you have any final comments or thoughts or even just maybe a little inspiration for, you know, how following a low sodium diet has really impacted you? Well, first of all, this has been so much fun. I hope we get to do it again, Melissa. Yes, I do. Um, you know, as a patient, I, th- I, th- I don't think patients realize I actually feel better when I consume a lower sodium diet. I actually sleep better. I have more energy. And for me, it is so worth it to monitor my sodium intake because my whole quality of life improves. I think that's the same effect for a lot of patients. They just don't realize these guidelines that you, the experts, are giving us are actually designed to help us. Even though that five-year-old inside of us doesn't want to hear it, it's always better to listen to you wise ones. Yeah, and I always, obviously, I get a lot of requests myself, but if there's someone, you know, diet Dietitians can be licensed in different states. Each state has their own either licensed or not licensed to practice in that state. And so sometimes I'll have requests come in from individuals to work with them, but I'm just not able to because of state laws and licensure. So a lot of times I just direct people, you know, if you're looking for a dietitian on the kidney.org website, you have the ability to find a dietitian in your area that's listed. So that's a really great resource. Ask your nephrologist or your even your primary care doctor if they have a dietitian that you can work with, but be specific and make sure when you talk to the dietitian that they have a background in chronic kidney disease and they know about that disease condition because you know, just like going to a primary care or a specialist doctor, we all have kind of our strengths and skills in various areas. But I just wanted to encourage individuals, you know, to make sure that you're asking to see a dietitian if you need more help, you know, navigating your diet or low sodium diet or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, because we're here to help you. Sometimes we're not being utilized. So I just want to encourage people to really ask for that and to look and see what's available in your area. 
I also think it's great that the National Kidney Foundation has done such a great job of putting resources on their website. Agreed. Yeah. It's another place to direct people for information is looking at the different resources, not just about nutrition, but just about kidney health in general. So it's, it's a great resource. This has been so much fun, Melissa, and I've learned so much from you. Thank you. I've learned so much from you. So thank you. Thanks for listening. As it has become tradition on this podcast, we are giving a special shout out to someone who deserves a little celebration this week. Nikki Liu, a living donor who donated his kidney only one year ago, just ran in the New York City Marathon with Team Kidney and finished in three hours and 45 minutes. Congratulations, Nikki. Thank you for spreading awareness about living organ donation. We want to hear from you. Do you have comments on this episode, suggestions on future topics or guests? Is there a kidney hero in your life that you'd like to honor? Email us at nkfpodcasts at kidney.org. Make sure to subscribe, review, and share our podcast with others. Thank you again for listening. We hope you join us next time. Until then, from all of us at NKF, we wish you good health.